No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Hellickson here with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. Super, super excited today uh, to be on live with Nick Crowder, uh, who has written the book. Uh, and I got to tell you, this, this guy wrote a book about the golden handoff, not the golden handcuff, right? Not to be confused. <laughs> That's a very different thing. Uh, but this is the golden handoff about how to get business from retiring agents. So I'm really excited about this because a lot of people, I've, I've heard a lot of times people say, oh, you know, uh, I've got this agent, they're retiring, I'm, they're just going to send me business and I'm going to pay them a referral fee and, and that's it. And they really don't put a lot of thought into exactly how to make this happen in a meaningful way that right. will ensure that you get a lot of business from it. So today, Nick is going to be talking with us about that. Of course, we're here with our co-host, Brian Curtis uh, of Bentonville, Arkansas. And I love, I always love like highlighting Bentonville, Arkansas because, well, nobody else does. So <laughs> that makes sense. Brian is, is the quasi-Kaiser of Bentonville, Arkansas, the king of, of, of what would you call that? The king of Cornland. No, it's actually Walmart land, I guess. It's not really Cornland. Yes. It is, it is, for the record, Bentonville, Arkansas, which is not technically where I live, is the home of Walmart. So, Dude, and let me tell you, you may not live there, but you own that market. And so I got to tell you, Brian, it's really good to see you, brother. I'm glad that you're on with us again today. For those of you that don't know, Brian is arguably one of the smartest guys in real estate, very consistently does over 300 transactions a year uh, and just crushes it. So let's uh, rock right into this. So Nick, talk to us a little bit about uh, you know, grabbing business from retiring agents. Tell us how this works and tell us the mistakes that a lot of agents make and how to avoid them. Yeah, I mean, you touched on something I hear all the time, which is I'm going to just have this retiring agent send me referrals and I'll get more business that way. The retiring agents think the same thing. They think, oh, well, people will keep calling me and I'll refer them to my friends at the brokerage and I'll get referral fees and everyone wins. The problem is all of our clients already think we're retired all the time. I would say our number one job, number one job is to like constantly remind people that we are in business and that we can help them. And when your clients hear that you've retired, they already know five other agents and they don't want to bother you. And they already have a, uh, a backup as humbling as that is. And so the secret in the golden handoff is all of your clients know other agents and we are all replaceable, but you can choose the person that replaces you when you're retiring and you need someone to be proactive. I bet in your coaching, you're not telling people to wait by the phone and hope it rings. You're advising them to call people, to market, to be proactive, right? Absolutely. And the golden handoff is the same thing. The real estate business doesn't work unless someone is working the business. And when you retire, that stops. Um, but you can find someone to take over and make those calls, take those appointments and, and continue to build on those relationships that you spent your whole career building. Um, in terms of the big mistakes I see is, is, is 99% of real estate agents when they retire, what do they do guys? 
then nothing. That's the problem. Nothing. That's why I ended up writing a book. I, I didn't think that I had figured out anything new or revolutionary when I started adopting businesses in Portland, Oregon, from my friends who were getting out of the business. Um, but as I called around, I actually called uh, other coaches and CEOs of companies and, and thought leaders and said, hey, do you guys have a model on how to do this? And basically, everyone said, there is no model. If you've figured it out, you should write a book. And uh, that's, that's kind of the quick story of how I ended up writing The Golden Handoff, which is how to buy and sell agent businesses. And, um, and, and that's kind of, that, that was the genesis of it. In 2012, I started helping friends out. And then we kind of built a, a model and a process that's very simple and easy to follow um, for anyone out there in real estate. You know, one of the things, too, that, that I think is often forgotten is, you know, here, 87% of all agents fail in the first two years. Right. That being said, that doesn't mean that they don't have people that they still know, that still know, like, and trust them, that they could potentially be referring out to another agent who's going to take over that business. I'm assuming that that's also covered in the book and that you can tell us a little bit right now about how do we get after those agents' business as well. Yeah, so there's a whole chapter on how to find retiring agents. And when I say retiring agents, I don't mean just the oldest broker in your office. Uh, like you said, what, close to 90% of people after two years have gone on to some other career. Um, and they do have good relationships. Those relationships absolutely have value. And the best way for me that I found to do that is, is really um, connect with your broker or your team leader um, the person that's kind of in charge of your HR recruiting management and let them know you're there to help agents who are getting out of the business or who are moving out of state, changing careers, whatever that looks like, or actually really retiring, uh, which a lot of realtors just keep working forever. So the true retirement thing, it's not like you turn 60 and you get a, a pension, you know, we're, we're all on our own. So let your broker know that, Hey, I, um, have studied how to help people and how to adopt their clients. And, um, they are going to be the best conduit because they know about everyone who leaves and they can make sure you connect with them, whether you knew them well or not, and let them know, hey, even though you're transitioning out of real estate or even though you're retiring, um, your business still has a lot of value. And then honestly, for those people that get out after year two, their business, you might be able to do significantly more with their book of business than they were able to do simply because they probably weren't making the calls hosting parties, they weren't doing the activities you need to do to be successful. It doesn't mean that their clients weren't doing business. They were probably just doing it with other people. Absolutely. Yeah, you mean, you know, I think uh, since we've thrown some statistics out there, somebody told me one time it's like 80 some percent, I'm not going to get these numbers exactly right in general anyway, 80 some percent of the people would use the same realtor over, but only 8% do. And that's the kind of the same type of statistic that you're talking about is, I've been in the business, you know, for almost 20 years. And at the same point in time, there are people who I've not done a good job with. I'll be the first to admit it, who use somebody else. And it's not because I, they didn't have a great experience with me. It's because I didn't do a good job keeping up with them and talking to them and, right. and having client events. And, and we do a much better job of that today than we did say, 10 years ago. But it, it's the same thing. It's just a different, you know, now you're just going to do it with a different group of people is my guess. And I don't want to, you know, give it away. I didn't write the book, but that's <laughs> I'm sure some of those thoughts are, are, are where it's coming from is, Hey, 
nobody followed up with these people. They're orphans now because this person retired or this person left the business or whatever it is. So I think that there's a huge opportunity there. And you know what, it's a heck of a lot better to do basically referral type business than it is to, you know, buy leads and, and cold call and all that kind of stuff. So at least it feels like to me, if I were to get someone else's book of business, I can at least warm call those people. Hey, Bob just retired and he wanted me to follow up with you and let you know that uh, I'm going to take care of all of his clients. If you need anything, I'm sure that there's some scripts that are along those lines. Yeah. And this, the script honestly is very simple because it is a warm call. You're not selling yourself. You're, uh, you're basically following up on a promise you've made to the retiring agent and in a, in hopefully that agent had a good relationship with their clients. So the, the process, I'll just go into it a little bit right now is, is fairly simple. And I go into it in detail in the book. And if you sign up, um, at goldenhandoff.com, you'll get access to the, the scripts, the contract, the marketing letters, all in editable format. So Word Docs publisher, you can change, uh, put your logo on it, you can change whatever you want, but it'll at least give you a, a start on that process. Um, but when someone is retiring, um, we ask them to call their best clients and let them know that we're taking over. Um, and then we send a letter on their behalf. Uh, and we send an email, they send an email to their whole client list, letting them know that we're taking over and a little bit about who we are so that we let them sell us. Um, we don't try to sell ourselves to their clients. And so ideally, those clients have heard three times that that agent is getting out of the business for one reason or the other, and that my team and I are taking over and kind of who we are and why they chose us. And, and the script is very simple. It's just Hey, this is Nick Crowder. I'm calling because uh, I promised Michael I would give you a call. As you know, he's getting out of the business, and I just wanted to see if you had any real estate questions or needs we can help with. And that's it. That's the opener. And it's it's very subtle, but basically, you those clients have received a call from their agent and a letter and an email saying that they're retiring. I'm taking over, and I'm going to call and follow up. And so then, when you make that call and you're keeping a promise to the person that they like, it's a very warm call. And, and it's, it's actually shocking how well it works and how appreciative people are because what is their expectation? I mean, their expectation is that if their realtor retires, they've got to go find a new one and no one wants to do that. Yeah, you're right about that. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I was just I was just agreeing. Nobody wants to go and shop for a realtor. That's not that's not fun. And there's so many, you know, there's so many different levels because there's so many of us that there's not it's not something people really want to do. They just want someone that's gonna take care of them. So I agree. Right. Well, so let me ask you this. So essentially what you're saying is the process is pretty straightforward, right? So it's literally just an email that goes out. Now I'm assuming email goes out from the retiring agent about yep. you. And then you make the proactive phone calls to each of those people to say, hey, by the way, I'm taking over this book of business. Now, is that the end of it? Or is there more ongoing communication that happens over the, you know, the coming weeks and months to ensure a smoother handoff? So it really depends on the scale of the business and how long the other agent's been involved. So if they have a lot of advertising out there, you might want to transition that where you're both on the advertising for, say, like a year. Um, if it's something where it's been just referral based and just relationship based, I think that you can switch over pretty quickly. And then those clients come into uh, your marketing plan. So I, I would hope that you're calling them once or twice a year, that they're getting your newsletter and your uh, market updates, however you're delivering those items of value to those, those clients. Um, and that's important that the retiring agent and the adopting agent talk about, hey, what is your marketing plan? How do you get business? Because there might be something they're doing that works very well 
that as an adopting agent you aren't doing, and it might be something you want to continue. Oftentimes what you'll find is an agent's been running an ad forever, but they can't source any business to it. They just do it because they think it works or it's a branding thing, but if they can't really track any concrete business to it, maybe it's time to let that go and just focus on uh, investing that time and energy and in, in better client contact or a client party or, or something like that that would be more hands-on. Okay, so you just hit the nail on the head. I was actually really hoping you were going to talk about that because we're huge advocates of doing parties with clients or for clients. Yeah. Uh, you know, we call them client appreciation events. Of course, when we're talking to the client, we're really just calling it a party. Uh, but that being said, tell me, talk to me about, are, are you doing these on a regular basis? Do you recommend them as part of this process? Do you bring both the retiring agent and the, the, the agent that's taking over that book of business? Do you have both of them uh, participate in those client events for a certain period of time? Talk to us about that process. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways you can do this. So I believe that a client party is a great way to make deep, meaningful contact with a lot of people very quickly. Um, the, you know, the people are choosing to come to that. You're providing something hopefully fun, entertaining, you know, a good dinner, like entertainment, something that uh, provides some value to them other than just hanging out. Um, and one of the most successful parties we had was actually a going away party for one of the agents whose business we adopted. And their clients were really excited because they were going on to do something really interesting. They were going to work in LA in the movie business and that's something they had always wanted to do. And so their clients not only were excited for that agent, they were really supportive. And because they knew that not only are we, were we handpicked by that agent to help their clients, but also that they were going to get referral fees as they transitioned, those clients were even more committed to working with us because they knew it helped their friend who they wanted to support as they transitioned into this new career. And I think Gosh, it wasn't a huge number of people. We basically rented out um, a really cool hip bar um, in North Portland, and we had this kind of shared party, and we covered the tab on it, and we had some giveaway items about the market and about the team, um, and it was just a chance for everyone to get to know each other, and I would say half or two-thirds of the people had questions and wanted to talk to us about the market and about uh, setting an appointment to make a move. And I think we set appointments with about a third of the people that came to that uh, for follow-up meetings to either do a CMA or uh, set up a search for a home and then kind of take those first steps to helping them. And so uh, when I think of those client parties we've done, that initial shared party, if you can pull that off, I think is very, very valuable um, because it gives you a chance to all be there together at the same time. And I would say on an ongoing basis, if that agent had been doing client parties and you're doing that as well as part of your, um, your, your marketing plan, then if the other agent's able to come and do kind of a, maybe a mini party with just their sphere, um, that would be a great thing to do on an annual basis. Cause the clients are going to want to hear about where they're at and what they're doing. Um, if they've made a deep connection, uh, the clients are interested and they do want to support that person. Uh, even if they're not doing the transactional work for them anymore. Absolutely. Well, and, and I like what you said here. So first of all, I love the going away party. I think that's huge. Uh, and I also love that you're being very transparent with the clients about, hey, look, this person's going to be getting a referral fee. We're going to help them make this transition yeah. uh, as smooth as we possibly can. Uh, so they're going to be getting paid. When you do business with us, they're going to be getting paid. Uh, also, I love that you're very clear about, hey, look, the person who's taking over the business is going to be the person who's responsible for the cost of doing that party. Yeah. Uh, 
And so, but you, you know, you guys, just a little bit of thought and a modicum of effort can really go a long way toward acquiring another agent's business uh, and making it profitable for both of you. And I think that's really the key here is, you know, we want this to be profitable for that other agent. Um, the problem is that so many agents, they enter into an agreement to, to purchase someone else's business and they just do a terrible job of it. They just mess it all up. Yeah. Um, they, they either offer too much or not enough, or there's there's no scalable plan or no no plan that can stand the test of time. I love it. Josh Solinger's watching, and Josh does a ton of business down in Ladera Ranch, California. Uh, a big producer down there. He's watching. He's like, I love this. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Josh. So, by the way, guys, if you're watching this in the Facebook post, uh, go ahead and type your questions or comments in in the Facebook post. Uh, and we will respond to those live while we're working here. Uh, what I would like to know is, have you ever, just type in yes or no into your screen right now, have you ever purchased another agent's business? Uh, and so if you guys could just type that in, I'd love to know, kind of get an idea of how many of you are doing this. Um, but especially for those of you that are brokers that are watching right now, uh, this is a big deal. And you guys need to be aware of this because somebody in your office needs to um, – kind of take the lead on this, right? Like if you're, if I own yeah. an office, I want to make sure that I've got somebody in my office that's trained on how to do this so that when someone leaves my office, I'm still getting something, you know, out of that person that's now gone. And it could just be in the form of now that business is going to another agent in our office and they're maximizing what they can on that. Thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, when this first came out, I talked to some team leaders and brokers that really saw the value in this from the brokerage perspective, which is, um, you know, the value of the brokerage is basically a, a formula of how many agents do we have and, and how much business do they do with the community, right? And so when you lose a broker, you lose a part of that community, you, use some, you lose client share. And the way to maintain that client share of the, you know, how much percentage of the business are we getting that happens every year? is for someone else in your brokerage to adopt those clients and make sure they stay within the brokerage. And, and this idea is now getting big enough that th it's not a secret idea anymore. So the book and the audio book and um, you know, all these podcasts I've done are out there. And there's a lot of folks that are adopting this as a big part of their business plan. And so if you don't have someone in your brokerage implementing this strategy and you're not helping teach it to them, uh, someone at a different brokerage, I guarantee, is using this, and they're actively looking for those agents who are retiring to adopt their business. And it doesn't matter which brokerage you're at, because it's all through referral fees. And so, if you want to maintain that client share, yeah, absolutely, make sure you're, that you have an agent or two in your office that can help all those people who are leaving. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, to me, especially at a time um, when we're when we're seeing you know realtor.com and zillow and now they're kind of you know they're changing their models and you've got a lot of agents who are freaking out frankly about you know where am i going to get my leads how am i going to support my agents if i'm a team leader how you know and how am i going to give them enough business right. uh, and, and frankly this is one of those solutions we've been saying for a long time everybody needs to have at least one new lead source each and every quarter this is really really important uh That's they great. need to be adding at least one new lead source every quarter this should be one of the lead sources that you're adding. Now, when I say that, you know, it would be very easy to set this process up and go add another, like if all you did was go out there and find one retiring agent per month to add to your portfolio and you started doing this with one new refer, you know, one new retiring agent per month, imagine how much business you could have at the end of the year. And, and not just the end of that year, but going forward. Furthermore, 
you're going to have a lot of these agents that because of the changes that Realtor.com and some of these other companies are making, uh, you know, are either struggling in the business or just playing get out of it because they just can't figure out how to do it without those purchase leads right. and can't figure out how to do it at a 35% referral fee, right? Which is what those companies are now charging. And who knows if that'll end at 35%, it could very easily go to 40, 45, 50, who knows how high they're go they'll go. I imagine they'll go as high as they possibly can. I mean, that was what they should do. They're running a business to make money. And, sure. and I think you have to find ways to make authentic contact and not spend so much money buying leads. And as our market starts to shift, the Case Shiller Report came out this morning. Um, we're the slowest growth and appreciation that we've had since 2015. Um, so in the last five years, and I don't see that trend stopping. Um, we still have population growth. We're not really building enough housing for people, but there's just we're reaching an inflection point in the market where housing has gotten expensive enough that some of the buyers just now are, are stuck being renters for a while. And um, I don't know if we're going to see a major shift in the market. I don't feel that I do a lot of market analysis and I track all those economists that talk about real estate. Um, but I think one of the best ways to defend yourself against automation and lead buying and technology that's trying to disrupt what we've done in real estate for a long time is to just really double down on your relationships. Double down on that human relationship where people know and trust you. And the more they know and trust you, the harder it is to try to save an extra 1% by hiring an automated system or a company with a good model, but maybe they don't have great agents that really know the business. Real estate's very complicated. Uh, the process is very complicated. You know, I think about how I would try to automate it. And we're constantly trying to get streamline our process and make it better for our clients and easier for my team. And it just isn't that easy. There are so many steps. If you're doing it right, there's a lot of questions and a lot of reviewing and a lot of double checking that you have to do, um, which means that it's very hard to build uh, an algorithm or an automated model to take care of that because you have to factor in millions of questions that a lot of, it just honestly takes time uh, seeing things for the first time over and over and over again over decades to, to really get good at it. And the more you can focus um, on winning in that space, the more defended you are from all of the little bits and pieces and companies and apps and programs that are trying to take away um, business that we normally would have had. And, and I don't think it's that scary, but it's scary if you don't have value and you're not good at your job. Well, and there's certainly plenty of those companies out there that are trying to take a bite out of the real estate apple. So, uh, you know, this is certainly apropos for the moment right now. So yeah. let me ask you this, Nick. So uh, tell me, let's let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into the numbers. What is typical for, you know, referral fees? How do you structure the compensation model around this golden handoff, if you will? Sure. I mean, the referral, it, it, you just nailed it. So Basically, the golden handoff is just a referral agreement on steroids. So it is a referral agreement for someone's entire database. And it's a three-year deal. And the first year is 30% referral fee. And then it, second year is 20 and then 10. And then after that, the adopting agent owns it outright. The reason is at the beginning, the value and the um, number of deals you get is going to base almost entirely on how good of a job that adopting agent did with their clients. Mm -hmm. As time goes on, the value you get and the deals you do will come from the work that the adopting agent is doing. It's coming from the fact that they're sticking to their plan, they're making the calls, they're having the client parties, they're sending the newsletters and market updates consistently, and they're being available to take care of those clients' questions and needs. Um, 
And so as time goes on, that value that comes from that database is going to come more from the adopted agent. And that's why it's structured that way. But it's, it's a very simple agreement. Again, if you go to goldenhandoff.com and sign up for the newsletter, you'll get immediate access to all of the scripts and contracts and dialogues and marketing letters that we have. And we update that as we come up with new, new pieces and new ideas. So that's a, a dynamic site. Um, and, and actually we can get, they can get that link. If you guys want that link, here's the place you go. So we're going to have you go to, and I'll actually put this in the chat right here in the Facebook post. You can go to clubwealth.com forward slash Nick Crowder. And that'll have, that'll automatically take you to everywhere you need to go. Awesome. Uh, to get all the information we're talking about. Um, but that being said, um, I want to come back to essentially the, the referral fee. So, it makes sense to me, right? So we start off and we're doing a 30% referral fee, then we're doing a 20%, then 10%, then, then it goes eventually away completely. Uh, and that makes sense, right? Because at the end of the day, to your point, the agent that takes over that business is the one who's responsible for making sure that it happens. And yeah. at the end of three years, virtually the, the, the goodwill now is all kind of tied to the new agent, not the retiring agent. Um, and so for a retiring agent, they can, you know, they, they could still expect, you know, hey, my first year, I'm going to get 30, then 20, then 10. That's still pretty good money on a database that they would have had nothing otherwise. Right. Uh, so I love it. That's very good stuff. Um, all right. So talk to us. What are we missing here? What other, what other pieces of this process are we missing that we need to be aware of? What are the pitfalls? What can go wrong in this? You know, what we haven't talked about is... Um, the process when you take over a business of the questions and the pro how you do that. Mm -hmm. um, so number one, you've got to make sure that you go over the database together. I like to just print the whole thing out and take notes and just go through it. So sit down and have a meeting about your marketing plan and have a meeting to go over your client list. Oh, that's do that. The retiring agent is going to think of all kinds of things that I guarantee they do not have notes about in their database because we're not perfect about that. And they'll have updates and they'll have things. Oh, geez, that guy called me six months ago. I think he might want to move this year. You'll be able to help prioritize it and understand the people better and where they are and, and how to prioritize how you contact them. The big pitfalls I've made is uh, taking over a business where I think everyone's a client. And it turns out half the database is leads or half of it's a door knocking farm. And that's okay, but you need to treat them differently. You know, you wouldn't treat your A clients like you would a web lead that's never responded to you or a door knocking farm where maybe you want to continue that. Maybe there's value. If you can show that, Hey, I do this door knocking farm and every year I get 10 listings in this area. Well, great. I think that's probably something to, to look at. How do you continue that? If someone's been doing that and they're not getting any leads or listings from that, they're either doing it wrong or it's not working. And so you don't want to commit to, let's say you take over a database of 600 people and 400 of them are door knocking farm and 200 are clients. Well, it's really hard to call that many people twice a year. So you wanna focus your personal effort on the real clients, the calls, the parties, those types of things. But maybe you wanna still send your newsletter and call once a year or have an assistant call once a year to the other set. And so those are some of the mistakes I've made. Um, and so ask those questions. Are these past clients? Are these people that refer you? You know, is the database categorized like ABC? Is it categorized based on who they really are that we have a buyer tag and a seller tag and, um, you know, uh, an advocate, like someone who's a mortgage broker that you work with all the time that refers a bunch of clients. Find out who those people are. Who are the big supporters of that person's business and make sure you really invest in engaging with those people first 
um, starting with their A plus people. And that should be a small list. A plus isn't hundreds. It should be 20, 30 people, even for the, a big business. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, someone doing 300 deals a year. Um, I bet if they really got down to brass tacks about who are their A plus clients, it's, it's less than 40 probably of people that it's a builder, it's a lender, it's a title person. It's, um, you know, it's, it's people that are really truly actively looking for business advocating for them. So what do you do when you have, you, you know, I'm looking at my database, you know, we print out your database and then I'm yeah. comparing that, I'm jumping into mine to, to verify names or whatever. What do we do when I find out that, hey, I'm already in contact with this person that you now have in your database and you want to refer <laughs> me and now I got to pay you? So it, I'm glad you brought that up. So I've taken over a lot of businesses and, and there was this one client that was in three of them. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. They've been and, around. Yeah, so uh, so keep in mind that even though they're in your database, doesn't mean they're not in someone else's. Um, so I think that you always just want to do the right thing. Um, the way I looked at that is, who was the last person that actually did a transaction with this person? Um, if have they referred? If they haven't done a transaction, have they referred anyone to one of the agents? Um, and who's been staying in touch with them? And I think that then that's how you kind of decide who they kind of quote unquote belong to. Um, I would say that you know most agents are totally okay with this because it's not going to be the whole database as duplicates. There might be one or two people. It depends on how big your market is and how big the business is. So the smaller the market and the bigger the business, the more crossover. If you're a new agent in New York City, there's probably a very small chance you've got the same people in there. So I think you just want to approach it like, hey, who would this person choose? And did they work with someone recently? Have they referred to someone recently? And that would really be kind of who they belong to. And that's come up, but it's never been an issue. I think you just have really? to just be transparent about it and just ask those questions. Um, and the last time it came up, it was someone that was in a postcard farm for me, a door knocking farm for the other agent, and then a third agent who we had adopted their business actually knew them personally. And so that was kind of who I assigned that person to in terms of who the referral fee would go to. Okay, so apparently it's not that big a deal for most people. So I guess here's the big question, or there's actually, I got several big questions for you. One, talk to us about the potential here. You know, what, what is the potential upside? I mean, you've been doing this for how long? You've been adopting other agents' businesses for how long, roughly? Seven years. Seven years. And tell us how it's done for you. What have your actual hardcore results been? I've been huge because every time you do this, you kind of leapfrog ahead a whole career. So if someone spent 10 years to get a client list of 300 people, and then you adopt that, uh, you just jumped ahead 10 years in your career. And I would say this, that if you do a good job with your marketing and outreach and your service, you should be able to duplicate the results that that retiring agent got with those people. So for example, the, the gentleman I mentioned that is in the book actually, um, who went to Los Angeles, um, we had the going away party for, we did, he did 6 million a year with that client list. When he left the first year, we did 6 million in sales from that client list. So it was a, something like 150,000 in gross commission income. And I sent him $50,000 in referral fees in the first year. And he eventually moved back to Portland and that was the down payment on a house for him. So, I mean, when you talk about numbers, it's substantial. Um, one of the other, the first agent where we took over their business, they confided in me six months later that their husband had lost their job. This is during the recession. And the referral income they got from my team was how they were able to pay their mortgage and stay in their home. And so when you hear stories like that, it kind of, you can talk about numbers, but I think it's important to talk about what those numbers mean 
um, to people, whether someone's a retiring agent and they don't think it's worth the effort or, or whether you're an adopting agent. And maybe this sounds like, well, it sounds like a lot of work and it's, it's not like I'm doing an open house where you get a client and you go sell them a house that weekend. You know, it, it, it can be immediate, but it's, it's for, it's really, this is really intended for people that want to grow a really good large business over time that's based on referrals. Um, there's a million people selling get rich quick and get a million leads today. And you're either going to pay a lot of money for it, or it's probably not going to work as well as you think. And it, it, people that, you know, if you, if you've bought leads before, chances are you call, they don't know who you are. Your conversion rates suck. Your, your team's not going to want to keep calling those people if they never call back. Whereas this is so much easier to engage in terms of the amount of time and effort you put into it and the amount of money you put into it. Because keep in mind, other than the letter and the time you make to call, you're not paying anything until you actually close a deal. And there's no other deal out there in real estate that's as good as that. Um, this is by far the best deal you're going to get to to get a client list like that. I agree. I think it's fantastic. You know, it's interesting because people say, well, I need today leads. I got to make money now. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm pretty sure you're going to need to eat in a year from now. Right. So yeah. let's, let's start building our pipeline. Let's start nurturing our pipeline so that a year from now we can eat too. Uh, and by the way, Corey Smallman, uh, who's a Club Wealth Coaching client, is watching as well right now. And uh, thank you to all of you that are watching. And by the way, if you're finding value in this information, tag a couple agents, invite them to watch this as well. Tag some people you know. Uh, and if you're thinking about buying somebody's business or, or taking over someone's business, uh, or if you're thinking of having somebody take over, you just tag them as well. That being said, Corey asks a really good question. He says, how many years experience should you have or transactions under your belt before beginning to implement this strategy successfully? I'm not sure as a retiring agent, I would want to hand off my database to a second year agent like I currently am. I love this question. I want to hear Nick's answer and I've got some thoughts on this, but Nick, you first. Yeah. So I, I wrote a whole chapter in the book about how to choose the adopting agent. And the truth is you want to make sure that agent knows how to successfully run their business and that they're going to be able to stick around and take care of your clients. That's important. They got to be able to be around for at least the next three years and hopefully longer. And you need to make sure that they know how to help people sell their property and market it. And then also how to help buyers. So I would say there are some agents that in their first year can demonstrate that they are successful at helping people buy and sell and to operate a business. Um, and there's some people honestly that have been doing it for 10 years that I wouldn't trust to take over my business. Um, because they keep doing their first year over and over and over again. Um, they're not really growing or getting better or, or learning more. Um, so I, I would say it's a case by case basis. Um, but again, at a minimum, they need to know how to help someone buy, how to help someone sell, how to be a successful broker, and, and ideally how to be a business person too, because if they're gonna grow their business, they're gonna need to hire people, they're gonna need to have an assistant, they're gonna have other agents, they're gonna need to train people. Um, the other thing I would say is if you're handing off a smaller business, it's less of a workload for that newer agent. If you've been doing this 20 years and you've got a database of a thousand people, there aren't a lot of agents that are going to be able to scale up to take care of that, that aren't already also at that level. If that makes sense. That's right. I, you know, I agree with you there hundred percent. And that's why Corey, my advice to you would be 
now. No, to, no better time than the present, man. I mean, here's the thing. You're the agent that wants to go out and find agents that want to retire or that are getting out of the business in one way or another or for one reason or another. So you want to go out there right now and you want to take over that business. Don't wait. Don't think that you need to have 10 years of experience. Don't put your limiting beliefs in, in your in, into the equation. You know, because again, they might not feel the same way. They might not have anybody contacting them to help them really put a plan in place to ensure that they're going to get long-term uh, benefit out of this list that they've spent so long building. And so I would suggest err in favor of just start asking. It's like anything else. You know, when you were brand new in the business, your first week in the business, did that stop you from calling expireds or FISBOs? Did that stop you from reaching out to internet leads, even though you knew that there were more experienced and more qualified agents out there? Heck no. What did you do? You went out there and you freaking did it. You went out there and you started contacting people and you got people uh, that chose to do business with you. And that's how you got the experience. Dave Woodson is watching uh, and he's saying, and this is a great question, Dave. He's asking, what's the best way to approach these people? So talk to us, Nick, about how do I approach these people and get them uh, to actually want to consider using me to referral that business to? Yeah, that is a good question. It's one I get a lot. Um, I would say the best way to think of retiring agents is how you think of sellers. Uh, some people want to sell this weekend and some people want to know what their home's worth because maybe in a couple years when the kids are in college, they want to downsize. Um, so I, I, I really like your advice to Corey as well of starting now. Just and, and I would say that the best way to do it is to say, hey, I just watched this amazing webinar and learned about how to help people who are getting out of the business. And I just wanted to ask you, what's your plan uh, for your clients when you stop selling? Just ask that question, open-ended. Again, 99% of people are gonna say, oh, well, you know, I've got a friend and I'll refer stuff to them and say, well, did you know that like most of your clients already think you're retired and if you tell them that, they're not gonna wanna bother you. They already have another agent. And I, I found out that the best way to help your clients and to help you is to have someone who's gonna stay involved and be proactive and do the work you've been doing to help your clients. And I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, another great way, you know, the reason I wrote the book is, is for, for myself as well, was to, to give it away to agents who I thought might be retiring as a way to, to start that conversation and, and build that relationship and help educate them on why the plan that they have probably won't work and how you can help them implement this plan um, successfully so that they can make sure their clients are taken care of and, that, and make sure that they get some value and benefit from their business they spent their whole career building. Yeah, that's huge. I love it. You guys, I really, I hope you guys are considering the strategy. It is time to implement multiple lead sources. This should be one of those lead sources. Uh, and it works. All right. So talk to us uh, in, in our last remaining time here. Talk to us, Nick, about uh, the, uh, the things that we have not discussed yet. What are some other keys that we need to know as we approach this part of the business? I think one of the big things that I've found out as this book's been out three years now, and I've gone all over the country doing presentations and, and um, meetings and panels, is there's a huge amount of opportunity out there for what I'm calling a partial handoff. So every agent has a part of their business that they don't really love or they're not really good at. And if you can identify what that is, then you can help take over that part of their business before they retire. And then when they're ready to retire, you already have a portion of the business. And so it's the natural thing is to hand off the balance to you. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, agents that work the REO and short sale business typically do not work with buyers. They are just a listing focused. 
So if you can say, hey, you get all these sign calls and all these leads that you don't want to, you're not going to go meet them on a Sunday to go show them property. And you don't want to double end anything because the bank doesn't want you to do that. And you don't like buyers. So let me help those buyer leads and give you referral income. You don't have to deal with it. I'll take care of it. The other thing is a lot of really seasoned agents, they'll have a neighborhood and they'll have their own referral business that they want to focus on. And as they kind of wind down their business, they're still getting sign calls. They're still getting leads for neighborhoods and areas that are not really strong in or don't want to work and offer to help them with those parts of those people in that part of their business that they kind of want to, they're not investing a lot of energy into it. They might give it away anyway, or they might just literally let it slip through the cracks. Hey, if you're going to not deal with those clients or those leads, you know, let me take care of that and give you a referral fee. I was shocked when I was a new agent that some of my mentors didn't call sign calls back. They're like, oh, I only work with referral clients. I only work with my past clients. I don't, I don't deal with that. Those people need to get their own agent. I don't want to have to deal with it. And I was like, well, just write down their phone number. I'll call them back. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. But well, I, I think sign calls are some of the best leads in the business. They're, they're, they're literally the second best lead on the planet right now. I, they are. I mean, our sign call volume has gone way down, but the ones we get, we're able to convert at a pretty high level. Um, so, I mean, yeah, all of those opportunities. So I would say the one thing that's not in the book and the one thing we haven't talked about is this idea of uh, taking over part of someone's business. Um, and, and again, it might just be like, hey, I've got this, like I mentioned the database earlier where there was 200 clients and there was 400 leads. So like, how about I just work those leads, you stay in touch with your clients and I'll send you referral fees on any of those, uh, those leads that come in. Uh, you're not gonna call them anyway. You're not gonna invite them to the party. Let me take care of them. There's a lot of opportunity for those partial handoffs. And I would, if someone says they're not ready, ask what part of their business they're ready to let go of or that they don't want to work. Yeah, I, I, that's great. And again, but do something. And remember, you guys, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah. So we've got to get out there and we've got to start asking people for some of this business. All right, Nick, this has been fantastic. Seriously. So but we've got just a few minutes left here. Tell us in the last couple of minutes, what one thing do you want to make sure that you convey to us and what actionable item can we do or what action step can we take right now to make this happen? I would say if, if you found value in this, please go on Amazon or go to Golden Handoff, buy the book or download the audio book and really learn it. Uh, this is a, a great tool for you to use um, as, like you said, one of your lead sources. And I would say if you do one thing today, buy the book and call three people whose businesses you admire. Just call three people and say, hey, I've always admired you and your business. And I just heard this great uh, podcast today or this webinar. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what is your plan when you're done selling? Because uh, I would be honored to help your clients when you're ready to, to find someone to take over for you. If you do that today, I guarantee you it'll change your future. Well, and I'll tell you this, you guys, here's the other thing. You want to be able to have these opportunities. One of the things you got to do is you got to start being nice to the people in your market. You got to start being nice to the other agents, right? Because yeah. nobody's going to want to refer their business to the guy that all the agents hate, right? So be the person that, you know, the agents out there know, like, and trust. Uh, that matters just like it matters that your clients know, like, and trust you. Now, you can look. Uh, I've pinned the comment to this post. Uh, if you want to go to clubwealth.com forward slash Nick Crowder, that'll get you the link to his book. That'll get you the link to all the stuff we've been talking about today. There's a download there. You can, and a calculator if you want to figure out, you know, what's a business worth, you know, when you go to buy somebody's business uh, and you're going to pay this, you know, 
What does that look like for the person who's selling their business? What can they expect to get for that business long-term? All that's at clubwealth.com forward slash Nick Crowder. Uh, And that link again is right here in the blog post. Now, for those of you that are listening to the blog or those of you that have not yet, I'm sorry, not the blog, but the podcast, don't forget to go to clubwealth.com forward slash TV, clubwealth.com forward slash TV. That'll take you to our blog, or excuse me, to our podcast where you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and if you could, please, it'd be super awesome. Uh, if you could, uh, and Ron, I'm going to give you that link one more time, but it would be super awesome if you guys could go give us um, a uh, five-star review on that podcast. Uh, we've had really good success with the podcast. A lot of people are watching and getting lots of value out of it. And we take these episodes, not only do we broadcast them live on Facebook, but we post them up on the podcast so you can download them, listen to them in your car and so forth. Uh, so, all right, Nick, any parting thoughts before we end today? I love your comment of just take action. Don't wait for the, don't wait 10 years to start um, asking for business or implementing a strategy. I think, you know, get educated on whatever you want to do, practice it and implement it. I think that, Action is what separates success from uh, failure. Love it. All right, guys. So go to clubwealth.com forward slash Nick Crowder, and you can get in touch with Nick there. And uh, if you haven't done so already, by the way, before I forget, don't forget we've got listing agent boot camp coming up. Tickets are almost sold out. I know we're like 15 or 16 total tickets left for VIP. So get signed up right now. You can go to clubwealth.com forward slash LABC to get signed up for that. And uh, Nick, I cannot thank you enough for being here with us, man. Great information. Awesome lead source, especially in the midst of all the craziness that's happening right now with all these portals and people freaking out about where am I going to get my business going forward. Let me tell you, this is a great way that doesn't cost money to go out and get a ton of business right away. So thank you very, very much, Nick, and uh, appreciate you being on. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, inside each one of you is a world-class beast just dying to get out. You got to choose to unleash that beast. So do something world-class today. Start approaching a bunch of agents in a world-class way and talk to them about, hey, when you get out of the business, I want to make sure you get paid beyond your years in the business and you too can work out a golden handoff with them. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, guys. Bye.